0: This podcast is brought to you by CATV, building community in the Upper Valley through media.
1: Welcome to The Intersection Podcast with your host, Julius. This podcast is intended to promote different voices from the Upper Valley, sharing their experiences of community and providing a forum for each participant to be heard without comment or judgment. Our guest today will remain anonymous and we invite you, listener, to simply listen. What is your personal vision or definition of community?
0: Well, I think a community is some place where you get support, where you find strength, where you find like-minded people who want to support you and be supported by you. I think it's a place where you feel safe and
1: What in your experience that shaped this vision of community?
0: Well, I've been in lots of communities, I mean, starting even in the community of my own home. I mean, I'm the second of seven children, and, you know, so there was a community just within our house. We spent a lot of time at the beach, just us. And you understand community when you live with the people you live with and you have to play with and you have to eat with and you have to be with 24-7. You learn community quick but I've always been a member of a church. I've always done theater. So there's been theater groups that I've been part of. So community has been just a part of what I do.
1: And you say you second of seven? That's correct. Would your siblings also have the same meaning of community?
0: I think that most of my siblings are very community-minded people. And I went into theater, but I have several of my siblings that are into sports. And Pretty much all of us have been involved in church to some level. So I would think they'd have some kind of sense of community. Again, you know, I tell you, we spent time on a beach. You know, my father used to convert school buses into campers. So we lived in a bus. And, you know, there's a lot of people in a bus. Let me tell you, nine of us. But it was the best time of my life, too.
1: Is that something that was brought on by your parents?
0: Both of my parents are nurses, so they're giving people, they're healing people just by nature. So it was always part of our lives to have the other family members in. Christmas was celebrated at our house. You know, one year it was my mother, the year after that it was my father. And Thanksgiving the same way. And if you got Thanksgiving, then the other family had Christmas. So it it bounced back and forth like that until, you know, we had so many kids that it wasn't fair to everybody else. (laughs) They had to come to our house all the time. So it has always been a sense of community. Again, church has been a real foundation in my life, and, you know, the church I went to was 75% my family, and it was a good-sized church. The whole sense of community was just inbred, if you will.
1: Can you give me a little bit more how church really shaped that community as well as your family?
0: Well, again, it's sets the standard of living that I hope helps contribute to the livelihood of a community, you know? That, that should be the idea of church. I, and I should tell you straight up, I don't go to church anymore. <laughs> I left church a while ago. I was even a pastor for a while. But I, have, I'm not, I don't do church anymore because I think the church has misstepped at its essence in what a church does. And I'm not saying don't go to church because what church does give you is a place to find support when you needed it. My wife, when she had her kids, was not experienced with children. I'm the second of, of seven kids, but she has a sister. And the sisters are three years younger, so she had no idea from kids. She never babysat. She never did any of that stuff. I had all my siblings plus my cousins and all that stuff because our, my extended family is as much a part of me as my own in-house family. But my wife didn't have that, so she didn't understand the concept the same way I do. In fact, her idea of community is much different than mine in terms of how we experienced it. But it was the church. That helped her when the kids came along and with her lack of experience. So, you know, she had a community from which she could draw from. And these women would whisk the kids away when my wife was ready to, like, pull her hair out because I don't know how to deal with this. And the church was there to help support her. And they taught her a lot. And in return, you know, we were there for the church. You know, we started a pastor's luncheon and we tried to unify the different area churches, sometimes where there's division, we were trying to create a community. If we started with the pastors, so we opened the doors and said, no, come have lunch with us, sit together, talk. Stuff gets accomplished when you eat something with somebody. So that's where our hearts were, and we wanted to build community that way.
1: How do you experience community here in the Upper Valley?
0: As I just said, I've experienced it in multiple ways. It depends on what arena I'm in as much as I've had a really good church family, I've had a really great theater family, too. I do a lot of theater, as I said, from the early stages of some of the community theaters to some of the professional theaters that have reached out to me over the years. I've been very fortunate to find much community in the theater world. It has allowed me to release this art form that Maybe I should have gone professional because it is something that I think I'm better at than not. But it was always the outlet. It was also the training ground. I learned so much in my early years from the community of the theater people who took me up under their wings. From the people over at Dartmouth, there's a bust of Warner Bentley in the hallways of the Hopkins Center and everybody rubs his nose. Well, Warner Bentley took me up under his wing and told me I could do this thing called theater. And he made me feel like I could. Mm -hmm. Rod Alexander and his lovely wife, they were, you know, he was the chair of the drama department at Dartmouth. I couldn't have paid for that. Well, I learned to dance from this guy who danced on Broadway, another Dartmouth alum, you know, and I mean, he went to Europe to teach American musical theater to the Europeans. I mean, this man could dance like, I can't even begin to tell you. He was insanely good. And he just took me up under his wing and he taught me what I know. I could never have afforded to pay for that. I had a community, the woman who was the director of the Hopkins Center, I did a show with her and she just taught me stuff I could never have. And she used to work for the Eugene O'Neill Theater in New York City. I mean, these are people that, their credentials outweigh anything that I could have afforded to pay. But I had a little talent, they saw it, they took me in and they made me feel special.
1: I'm gonna challenge you on that. Would it be different if you wasn't a part of theater?
0: Yes, there are so many outlets. I think you have to find your community. Communities don't grow up around you. I was the stranger in town. And I'm kind of shy and quiet, really. People <laughs> wouldn't know that, but my tendency is to hold back and not intrude. The kids I went to high school with, when I came to, to Hartford, I was immediately accepted, and I was welcomed in, and I went to many of the kids' homes, and I became part of their families, and there's still a community that goes beyond any organization. I don't have deep roots here, but I'm old enough that I have enough roots here that I have lots of friends, you know, people who would be there for me. It's not just people my age, but their parents. I thrived when I came here. I went to the largest high school in the country before I came here. And I was nobody. I was absolutely nobody. And even by way of, I might make a friend in English class, but I'd never see him again in any other class because the school was built on four acres of land. The building. It wasn't real for me to think. I mean, there were 6,000 kids in the student body. You don't make friends in that kind of environment real easily if you're quiet and like I was. But in the same breath, you know, I moved here and I became somebody, you know, that instantly everybody knew who I was. They made me class president. You know, I'm in every one of the kids was teasing me at my last high school reunion because he said, You're in every friggin' page of the yearbook. It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be busy. So there was community well beyond organization for me.
1: What do you do to build community?
0: What I think is important, I was always involved, if not in theater, I was involved in music on some level. And that is a gathering thing. I also plan parties and, and do events and stuff like that. So that was another thing that helped me connect with making community, again, sometimes business, but business spills over into communities. So that was another way for me to reach out. I could sing or I could plan your party. or So there, there's lots more to it than just how I did it. You, you sort of kind of reach out where you can. As I stand right now, I have pulled back, but in the back of my mind is, okay, what's my next move? Whether I'm volunteering somewhere or doing something of that nature now, I, I don't know.
1: And you might have answered this question before I get to the next set of questions Is that you, how did you go from a shy person to the point where you get here and that shyness doesn't exist Mm -hmm. because that's a way, because you use that in a way of building your community. And the reason why I ask is because, you know, people who might be listening might want to figure out, okay, well, Based on what you, how you did it. it, might be something I can try to do to, to create community. So how did you go from this shy type person to the point that when you got here, you were thinking it'd be even more shy, but he was exploded, Sound yeah. like.
0: Part of it was I, I did gain confidence by being accepted. Because when I came here, I, I'm a man of color, so when I came here, they didn't know what to make of me. Because when I came here, it was a lot different. Here was not like here is. I think 50 years ago, life wasn't like it is now. So I came to this very rural, extremely rural. The junior high school I went to was larger than Hartford High, okay? So I walked into that high school. I was wearing a trench coat. I'm sure I had a shirt with cufflinks. I wore suede shoes, a fedora, and they. I had an afro because it was 1971, and oh my God, they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know how to. They didn't. They approached me like I was an animal they hadn't seen in the zoo before. And it's like, what is that? Because they had never, you know, not really. Not they didn't, you know, not in the flesh, you know. And it was wonderful because I had the opportunity to tell them, No, I wash my hair with shampoo and water. What do you use? When they asked me, How do you take care of your hair? You know, it's like, it's those kinds of things that help bridge the gap because they were, they were wonderfully ignorant, not stupidly. you know, and that was, that was a blessing. And many of them embraced it and they embraced me and, you know, I ran into very few, although there were a few hurdles, I ran into very few. You
1: said bridge the gap. And I think the key word to bridging the gap is the word that you use is acceptance. Once the ones accept you, that's the beginning of building that bridge between the two. Wouldn't you say?
0: I would definitely say. And what I think we have to remember for those of us of color, there is no point of reference. When we tell them we have this struggle and they sort of want to blow it off, it's because they don't understand that it's constant. It, for, for those of us of color, that that struggle is always, and sounds like forever, <laughs> will be in the back of our minds. Because there have been times, yes, I've been accepted, but they've also, I've gone in there with my friends and they're hugging me and loving on me and loving that I'm shucking and jiving and putting on a show. But on my way in the door, I heard things like, well, we have to let them in now. We can't keep them out anymore. So it's not like it doesn't happen. That's what I'm saying, you know. I, I, I was asked to the prom, but I wasn't allowed to take the girl to the prom because there was a hurdle in her family. Her father didn't want me to take her until the whole family stopped talking to him. Then they made me go talk to him. I've been to all the weddings, the family reunions. All of those things turned around once I talked to the man. He never met a black man. He only heard of a man of color. He didn't know one. And that's what he was taught. So as soon as he found out that I was none of the things he was told I was, it was okay for me to take his kid to the prom. So there were all those kinds of things.
1: Up to this point, we have had some very positive feedback from you about your community interaction, feeling a part of the community. Think about a time when you felt like you were excluded from the Upper Valley community. And what were those circumstances?
0: Fortunately, nothing really comes to my mind immediately. I'm sure there are times when I I don't think I've ever felt excluded because I don't think I'd put myself in the situation, but I also, I think I have been able to carry myself in a way that I can't think of why you would exclude me. I really wish I could think of something quick and it's like, oh, I remember this time where, and I could tell you incidents of where, you know, people have treated me bad, but it's not... I, I've never felt excluded in a situation, to be honest.
1: You well, know. let me, let me kind of just wreck your brain a little bit, because you mentioned something earlier, okay. and I want to challenge you on it. You said you couldn't take someone out to a prom. Right. Wouldn't that be a sense of feeling excluded?
0: No. Again, I felt included because everybody but one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel excluded. He was the one that was excluded. And this is where I said you bridge that gap. Let me go talk to this man. What's your problem with me? Is it the color of my skin, which I didn't get to pick? Because if that's it, then we got a problem. Now, if you don't like me because you think I'm not a nice guy, or if you think I'm going to bring harm to your daughter for some reason, then I understand your concern. But if it's because of the color of my skin, then we have to talk. Mm-hmm. And let's talk. Why is the color of my skin a problem? I didn't, get, I didn't pick it. Mm-hmm. Just like you didn't pick yours.
1: Very interesting as well.
0: So, again, for me that's a bridging point. You know, if you don't, if you're going to challenge me, then let's talk. Mm-hmm. Give me a reason why. And the color ain't enough anymore for me. Mm-hmm. You you got to go beyond that.
1: So, so we're going to try, I'm based on, I'm just trying to figure out, now again, you have some positive things about community and community building here in Upper Valley. Very little, if none, bad experience or any experience of being excluded from anything. So, for the listeners, for those who are listening, and I, you think, and I think you kind of brushed on it a, a little bit on earlier. How would you? How would you tell people to create a community here in Upper Valley? In other words, what advice would you give someone to try to create a sense of community if they feel any excluded from any type of in, in community here in the Upper Valley?
0: Well, if you're feeling excluded, I I think you need to look at that first and and find out why what's what keeps you excluded. Because if you're trying to fit in somewhere, are you trying to fit in where you belong? Are you trying to fit in? You know, it's like a round peg square hole. You know, I mean, you you have to do the math. You know, are, are you trying to fit in where you really might not fit? So that would be the first thing that I would say. Check that before you think that. And if you want to start community, you, you have to find a, a need. Where's the need? And build community around a need. And again, the need could be to do a show. The need could be to have a worship body. You know, what's the need? You know, do you, do you need to have this community here? You know, is it a place for the kids to go? That's how you build a community. Am I going to provide the service? It's a, and understanding that in a community offers stuff and, and one of the, it would offer services. what kind of service are you going to offer? And you know wh- what's the need of the community? Mm-hmm. and what community are you in? Because it, it changes with whatever it is you're doing. So community is multifaceted.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to add? Any any other thing that you would like to add based on your experience of community here in the Upper Valley, whether it be a positive or negative? or?
0: I would say that for me, most of my experiences here in the Valley have been pretty wonderful. I've had some really terrific communities that I've been a part of. I'm happy to say that most people would say that I was a welcome member of a community. And That makes me feel good, you know, and I have been on the spiritual side and and that whole community, which is very different from the, we'll say, entertainment side because, you know, I do more than plays. But that whole entertainment side is uh, a whole different world. To be a part of a community, you have to participate. You know, you can't just, you don't want to sit in the sidelines. You want to participate and be a member and, and an active member. And understanding where your place is and that everything, you know, things need to be organized and structured and that you might not be on the top. And, you know, that's been a problem for some people that they get part of an organization or in a community and they want to be the ones running the show. It's not always about that. And sometimes your community, more often than not, can be destroyed from the inside versus the outside. Sometimes we protect the community from the outside hazards, but we forget to protect it from within. And sometimes the within factor is much more uh, dangerous than, yeah, more, yeah.
1: So do you still, you know, even today, do you still... Have this positive sense of community, even though you're not involved as much in the community yeah. in the
0: theater or, or, or as much as you has in the past. Yeah, I think right now part of part of where I'm at in my I'm in transition. I've gotten to a place in my life. I'm older now. I'm thinking of retiring. That whole thing, and part of my part of my struggle right now is. I need a new tribe, you know. I need a new community where, you know, what I had before has sort of, I've grown past. And I've and I sort of pulled myself away long enough that I really feel the need to start building new community, building, building a new tribe. And I think that's how a start, community starts with just a few people, you know, when there's a handful. And once you get that handful, and they bring theirs, and I bring mine, and you bring yours. And You know, before you know it, you have a community. It's sort of a goal for me right now, but it's not high on the "let's get this done" list. It's just, you know, that's sort of the next chapter, and I'm I'm biding my time till I get there.
1: If there's nothing else, we want to thank today's guests for sharing their experience of inclusion and exclusion here in the Upper Valley. If you would like to lend your voice and your experience to this podcast, please contact intersections, I-N-T-E-R-S-E-C-T-I-O-N-S at catv8.org. That's intersections at catv8.org. And again, thank you for being our guest today. You're welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to CATV Podcasts. If you found this episode interesting and would like to find more Upper Valley content at CATV, please visit our website at catv8.org. That is C-A-T-V, the number eight, dot org. You can find all of our podcasts under the listen section on our homepage.